Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. we got to talk some USC football winding down the 2019 football season. Of course, over the weekend, the Trojans got stomped by the Oregon Ducks 56 to 24. So we're going to break that down, talk about the future of the program. We got some good people on the line here to talk about that. First, Keely, you are in studio. She's not even on the line, she's just right next to me. How are you doing, Keely? Hello, hello. Doing well. Nice. And we got Dan Weber on the line. On the Skype line, sound a little crisper, a little better. I think good reviews last week. Dan, thanks for coming on. Uh, enjoy it. And thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, thanks for sending in your questions. We got a lot of them. Podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address. Or if you'd rather call or text us, the number is 424 424- Two five four nine one four one. We got voicemails. We got text messages. We got emails to get to. And please leave a five star rating, positive reviews wherever you listen to the podcast. Apple Podcasts, the formal, formerly known as iTunes. Uh, I think Google Podcasts. All those apps where you can get the podcast. If there's a little place to like leave your feedback, please leave something positive. Keely, I don't know if you have we had any uh, reviews lately on the old iTunes or the the Apple podcast, but we, we do love them when you guys send them in and it really helps grow the show. Yeah, I haven't checked recently. Uh, most recent one is October 21st, so thank you. Yes. Shouts to Laker fan in Utah who left the latest review. Thanks, Laker fan in Utah. Uh, all right, well, I think we just kind of kind of roll right into things. Um, this could be a big week before we start talking about the game. You know, the the reports over the weekend were that USC was going to hire uh, Mike Bone, the Cincinnati athletic director. Um, so we haven't heard yet. There was rumors that could be an announcement today. Probably going to be later in the week now from what we've heard. Um, we'll start with you, Keely. Any uh, interest, Any thoughts on uh, the Mike Bone potential hire? No, I mean, it's just about timing. I mean, on the whole, I feel like this weekend kind of turned a page, a chapter. I told you after the live show, I was like, we're in a different... A different zone right now yes. you know there's okay we're talking about football we're talking about the season now we're in we're talking big picture we're talking about what's to come next for this football program so in my mind we're in a different different area now different yeah. territory there's three games left but the, all the talk is going to be about the future of the program that's yep. just kind of nature it's it's pretty much been that way since the you know you know this time a year ago it's been people talking about the future dan no one has cincinnati ties like you you have to be dialed into what's going on in the in the natty. What's uh, what are your thoughts on this? I don't know that they're any more dialed in than, than you know we are here. Uh, I think uh, I was talking to some people this morning and said we uh, we understand there's a little bit of a, a, a of a holdup uh, in in getting this all you know resolved and finished. And they're like, really? Wow, uh, didn't know about that. And, uh, so uh, I think this has been. I don't know if it was deliberately so, uh, you know, secretive a process. I mean, I'm still befuddled by how last week went from Monday to Thursday night, late Friday morning, when you had, you know, uh, uh, the athletic directors from Washington State and 
and um, Boston College and then Auburn. And at the end of the day, Thursday, many of the people at USC felt like they had a new athletic director and it was Alan Green from Auburn. And then Friday morning, it's uh, Mike Bone from Cincinnati. It's like, how did they get from here to there the way that happened? How did that information get leaked? It looked like every national sports uh, college, uh, football writer in America must have gotten the tip overnight Thursday that it was going to be bone. Where did that come from? I know USC probably didn't want it out there at that time. And, you know, who at USC would have leaked it? And now we've had this little bit of a, is it a hiccup? Is it just the normal? Uh, it takes USC time to go through their regular process in terms of, you know, background checks and, and, and you know, putting together a contract and all that. Or are there other issues involved that, you know, people are speculating? Did that is that the reason you kind of lost the uh, the first three guys who had really kind of direct connections to Urban Meyer, for example? Is that why they are no longer involved in the process? And did that same kind of issue come up with uh, with Mike Bone? I, I mean, it seems like. Probably yes, that there is an Urban Meyer component to what's uh, been happening over the last week and then this week already. How that gets resolved, I don't think we, I don't think we have a slightest idea as to what exactly is involved there, who's involved. I mean, we know that you know President Folt said her job, she doesn't view her job as either hiring or firing football coaches so is that the case is you know is she totally not involved is she she somewhat involved where does that all you know come down and how has that influenced the um, the process uh, to this point we just don't know I don't know that anybody knows other than uh, I guess a couple of the people that are absolutely directly involved and other than that I don't, I don't I don't get the sense that people at the University of Cincinnati or the University of Southern California uh, that are involved around the process but not directly in it know. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we know. No, it's crazy. We, we'll see what happens this week. Uh, for me, I've said this a million times, is, is he the strongest candidate in the world? Probably not, but at, for what USC had before, it's a huge upgrade. Like, you can't go from – People that have never been an athletic director before to someone that's done it, you know, in the Pac-12, they've been around. They will at least bring some sort of system in. For me, you have to get to the next level as far as running your athletic department. And then, you know, if you can hire a rock star right away, that's fine. But you get someone you think is going to be pretty good and then fix the athletic department. And then the next time you can go and try to get a rock star. But they put themselves in such a hole for the last 25 years. I don't think there was much... Uh, you could do here. But we heard that it could happen as early as yesterday. Now we're hearing a little bit later in the week. There have been some reports out there where it's uh, you're talking about, you know, maybe there's a it's fallen through. And I've definitely heard some rumors about that, you know, behind the scenes about, you know, hey, there's potentially something was wrong. But Pete Thamel said, I think he tweeted out earlier today, it was going through as uh you know, as normal. So I, I mean, do you, Dan, do you feel like this is happening or there's just like stupid bureaucracy stuff going on at USC that's slowing the process? I think there's a little bit of both, uh, there. Um, I do think, uh, 
you know, I think USC may have put themselves in a position where they almost have to hire a rock star at this point. I mean, there's so much riding on it. I mean, I, I, I just think that you know, the program is in such a place where somebody like an Oregon has made such a, a move to, uh, you know, developing like a Southeastern conference like program with, you know, total attention to recruiting and just working, working, working and doing everything you can possibly do. And that USC's, uh, the way USC has, has viewed things in recent years is, is just not going to work. It, it's, they're getting crushed uh, on the field and off the field. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think there are some really good coaches out there who have done jobs that we've seen, as you said, the Penn State, um, the Minnesota guy who I think just got a seven-year contract. So USC doing work, I, I think, in, in some of these other schools. But I think there are guys like that. I'm just not sure if USC right now has the time to bring somebody in to rebuild slowly and surely and gradually. I I don't I I'm I'm just thinking the plan B doesn't look so good if if say Urban Meyer is your plan A or is somebody's plan A and should be obviously somebody's plan A. Uh, I don't know that plan B looks so good next to an Urban Meyer who might be able, just because of, of his own abilities and what he's done previously, would be able to demand the kind of changes that need to happen uh, almost instantaneously at this point. Or the, the kind of person, is there anybody else that has the credibility that could come in and flip some of those top California players that are going elsewhere? You know, that, that USC's over the top 20 in the state, you know, for next year. Uh how do you, how do you flip those guys? Urban Meyer could, I think, some if you choose to. I don't know that anybody else could, and uh, I think that's a that's a pretty big issue uh, right now for USC. I think they I think they've got to do something that says uh, that this is instantly credible that we are uh, saying it from the point of view of USC to say to people we are back. We're in the mix. We're going for national championships. You know, we haven't changed um, our thinking. We're not changing the way our program, we understand our program is. And we're not just the team that's hoping, you know, against hope that they can hold on for the Pac-12 South, you know, title. I mean, that's that's got to go away. And and I don't know that you do that incrementally. I think you got to do it with you know, getting the single best guy that you can possibly get. And just to be clear, Dad, I'm sorry. I, I'm talking about USC hiring an athletic director. I don't think you need a rock star because you've had such bad athletic directors for the past, you know, at least decade or more. You need someone to come in and like fix things, but it might be tough and it's going to be harder for USC to hire an athletic director. I don't think it's hard. You got to get, it's not like you can, you obviously can't, you got to get a rock star as the head coach, that's still sellable. I think for the athletic director side, you just need someone to come in and have a system and fix all the problems, get everything better. And then you move forward. And you know, the next time you get an athletic director, if you want to get the best guy in the country, you can, I don't think you can do that right now. You can get the best coach in the country right now. Um, a guy like urban Meyer. So I, yeah, I agree with you, Dan, hundred um, percent. We're going to talk about the game a little bit. I want to uh, thank Trader Joe's, our sponsor. I was just there last night, picked up my breakfast stuff. I love putting the, the yogurt and the uh, granola 
and bananas all together and kind of mixing it up and it makes my little like cereal bowl. But I had a, I had some leftover like uh, round steak in the, in the freezer. So I picked up a bunch of fresh vegetables. I got carrots and uh, onions and uh, potatoes at Trader Joe's. And then I put it all in the crock pot last night, mixed it all up with some seasoning and stuff and uh, some like cream of mushroom soup and let it cook overnight. And then I brought some in for me and Keely to have for lunch after the podcast. So. I'll be the true test. We'll see. Yes. The the t- taste tester to see if you, you have some skills, Ryan. We'll see. Well, I mean, it's just put it in a crock pot. It's not that hard. <laughs> so you just let it cook. But, you know, it's not just the prepackaged stuff. There's also the... Uh, you know, you fresh fruits and vegetables and stuff. So I like to pick up stuff in there like bananas, apples, and any kind of veggies you need for whatever you're cooking up. So make sure you go check out Trader Joe's USC UCLA coming up in a couple of weeks. If you're going to tailgate for that one, uh, you can go over to Trader Joe's at the USC village and take care of that. Um, Keely, is any quick thoughts on the game? I know we got a lot of questions on the game. Do you want to? We actually have more big picture questions than we do. Oh, so maybe we should talk about the game a little bit. Like, sure. Well, from the field perspective, Keely, what did you see down there? I mean, it's so bizarre. Someone pointed this out to me in the Alabama game, too, from a few years ago. USC was like, it was down 10 to 3 or something in the Alabama game, like late in the the, the second quarter. In this game, USC was winning 10 to 7 yeah. with two and a half minutes left in the in the half and then ended up losing, giving up a 56-7 run. Like, that's that's bizarre to me. Yeah, no, the whole thing, it was just a disastrous second quarter. Basically, everything you didn't want to happen happened. And then when you have a team who's been battling back, they've, they've had some, some mental toughness in the last couple of games, but I think the dam just broke and, and there was definitely frustration in, in halftime. And, and I think things just fell apart there. So I think, you know, like I said, I think it was just the end of a kind of an era in the sense that we're in a new territory now. Does it really matter? Like, do the next three games really matter? I know Clay Helton was asked about it, and they're still going to fight. There's still a chance that they can make it to the Pac-12 championship, but it just seems like that's kind of all she wrote. Yeah, where you're sort of on the, like, they haven't given up all year, but the second half, they gave up. Like, it was over. Yeah. Like, it, like the, the dream of winning the Pac-12 South, which is, I don't think of as much of a dream, but that's over. Uh, you got to set your bar too low. Um, Dan, I don't know. To me, it's like, I think they'll come out and fight in these last three games. But the problem is if you run into some adversity, yeah, yeah. what kind of resilience is going to be there? I don't know if there will be. Yeah. I'm not sure resilience is exactly the word you'd use with this. This is a fragile, fragile football team. It's a fragile coaching staff. Uh, I think they've been fragile for a long time and, uh, you know, they, they do enough wrong things quickly and, um, uh, there's just no coming back. I mean, it just, uh, you know, and, and who do you blame? I mean, the kids obviously did a terrible job. At least two of them did on that kickoff. Uh, you know, one of them runs into another one and it's like, and they happen to be right next to one. another. I know Clay said, well, only one of them, only one guy screwed up. Yeah. Well, he screwed up the next guy to him, which opens up a seam where, the, you know, a guy can run it back a hundred yards for, um, uh, a touchdown and who do you blame well if you're one of the kids you say hey we didn't make the decision to kick the ball off i mean i i still remember you know i was sitting next to you and i'm preparing what's going to happen at halftime so i'm typing i i knew for sure there's no way they're kicking the ball deep this is a squib and there'll be a big pile and the half will end and then you <laughs> hear the scream and you look up and you say they kicked it deep? Are you kidding me? Who made that decision? How does that 
How does that even happen? I mean, it's it just, it, and that's just one of however many of those things that happened in that game. But you've got a, you know, you've got a team that had to, you know, go down to the last couple of minutes to beat Colorado. So uh, even though when they come out and they run what they run, and you say, you know, personnel-wise, when they get that 10 to nothing lead that should have been 14 to nothing and maybe 21 to whatever, um, you think, gosh, USC's good enough to play with these guys. I would guess if you took all the starters of both teams and put them in a you know neutral place and said to somebody outside, say, pick the best players to start, USC would have more starters than, um, than Oregon. I think have more athletes anyway, you know, than Oregon. But, uh, you know, they're running a little, what, 181-pound uh, uh, the die kid from Norco, just pounding USC. And USC can't do that to, to Oregon. I mean, they just, you know, asking uh, uh, Keaton Slovis to throw the ball 57 times, 42 in the first half. That's like, that's kind of crazy in a lot of ways. And uh, so, you know, I don't think they gave themselves a great chance. Uh, I thought they, you know, they'd show up and play. But when things went wrong and then in Oregon's, a, you know, a confident, well-coached uh, football team, that's what a, a well-coached team, uh, they didn't panic uh, and they just did whatever they had to do. And they waited for USC to beat themselves and USC obliged uh, and to <laughs> Yeah, and I think what's interesting, just listening to you guys and everybody, basically, is uh, the season is kind of over. I mean, it's a new era. You're getting a new AD, almost certainly a new football coach. It's like it's not over, but it's over. And uh, it's going to make for some interesting time the next three weeks to see if USC can get bowl eligible. Still got to beat. They got to beat a team that they couldn't beat in the second half of the season last year and two of the games are on the road this year. So it's going to be interesting. I kind of feel like this ASU game might go a little way like Colorado, like Colorado's played pretty much crappy like the last month or so, except against USC. They sort of got, you know, ASU has the bye week. They had some road games. Uh, you know, they were always in close games and they kind of get blown out the last couple of games they've had. I kind of feel like you're going to get, you know, a better game from Jaden Daniels you know, Benjamin, that whole you know, young defense. Um, so I think USC is going to be in for a battle against uh, Arizona State. Uh, Cal is hard. I mean, they're just so bad. But maybe Chase Garbers comes back, the quarterback, and then gives Cal a shot. Otherwise, that's probably not going to be a game. They just look awful right now. And then UCLA is surging again after their preseason. Like, they just ignore the preseason like it's the NFL. Don't really care about the first four, five, six games. And then they start playing. They were one in five. They're four and two in the conference right now. They're they look legit. Control they control their destiny. Yeah, they beat USC last year. Yeah, all this Clay Helton talk about control your destiny, which I hated hearing that over and over again. But now, and so that's the problem is now that's gone, and you don't have that feather in your cap anymore to talk about. But UCLA actually does. Like they could beat USC and Utah and go to the Pac-12 championship game. That's a that's going to be a tough game. I think it's at home. It helps. But does it after the blowout to Oregon? Like, does the yeah, home thing that, really count? UCLA is not Oregon, but still, like, true. But. They have confidence after beating USC last year. I don't think UCLA thought they were going to beat USC last year. I think now they feel like they can beat USC because they're a better team. Um, you know, they're playing better now. So it's, uh, I mean, there's there's stuff to play for, but 
this is not going to be a super easy road outside of the the Cal game. I think they're I think they're garbage, but otherwise the other two games I think will be tougher. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the differences is that UCLA is getting better. Uh, last year it was just for the USC game, but this year they're legitimately improving. Yeah, and this USC team, like last year, is absolutely not getting any better. They're not building. They're not, uh, you know, you you don't come to a game and say, oh, I see where they've improved. I mean, it doesn't look like basically they're going from one weekend to the next and whatever happens in between doesn't seem to be having almost any impact on this team getting better. It's like practices are, are just, uh, you know, the, what you do during the week, but they don't really seem to have any impact on um, on how this team plays. And, and that's too bad. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and then you end up with a 12-30 game uh, this weekend, uh, head-to-head with Alabama LSU. Uh, the good news is no matter what happens, no one will be watching the USC game. <laughs> then they give them, an, what, eight, uh, 8.30 start at in Berkeley. 8, eight o'clock, 8 o'clock. Or 8 yeah. o'clock, excuse me, 8 o'clock start in Berkeley, which for those of us who are covering that game, that'll mean – out uh, about two o'clock in the morning trying to find your car in Berkeley uh, on a Saturday night, which is always going to be fun. Uh, and I'm not sure how many people are going to show up you know, for that, that kind of game. But when you do things the way USC has been doing them recently, that's what you expect. You, you get these absolutely, you know, worst possible starting times. I mean, for example, uh, you know, two weeks, UCLA gets the feature time, and they get Fox, big Fox, uh, against Utah, whereas USC ends up, you know, relegated to Fox Sports 1. And um, I was talking to somebody, again, from the University of Cincinnati today, and they said their game was on Fox Sports 1 against Ohio State. And they said, what the heck is Fox Sports 1? We don't even – it's <laughs> like, I don't even know. I said, we're going to be on there. What What is that? So uh, – uh, it's not exactly the place you want to have your, uh, you know, football games end up on. But, uh, yeah, this is uh, not the way you want to end end the season. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, again, if they if the pattern is like last year, they could not make a bowl again. And that's almost seems impossible in the Pac-12 to go two years and not make a bowl. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, last year at this time, though, USC was five and four. And lost the last three, which didn't seem possible at the time. Doesn't seem possible now, but, you know, we've seen stranger things happen, I guess. Uh, You know, you could go a bunch of different directions, too. You know, the athletic director comes in and, like, if he makes some crazy announcement, like, we're moving on from Clay Helton, that, I mean, that could energize the team. It could bring the team down. They could be told behind closed doors of things. Like, we don't know, like... the psyche of this team, I think, is sort of teetering. We just don't know which yeah. way it's going to lean. Something could motivate them that's happening now, and something could kind of bring everybody down. So, eh, I don't know. Well, it certainly sounds like something happened at halftime after the total implosion in the final three minutes of the first half. We, you know, you hear you know this and that and the other thing about whatever happened, but it certainly sounds like something happened. And um, and how that impacts, you know, how it impacted the second half and how it impacts the last three games, I don't think we know. But, uh, you know, I mean, you would hope some kind of reaction would be, you know, there would be to the, fir- you know, the finish of the first half. But uh, 
I mean, you know, they're back in the game. They 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 drive, they score. It's twenty one seventeen. They should be leading, but at least they're within reach. And then and then the kickoff happens, and that's just that's uh, so unacceptable. And you know, I mean, and Clay was asked about uh, uh, John Baxter and uh, Sunday night, and said, of absolutely has you know complete faith in uh, in John Baxter. And and as you pointed out. There are not just issues in the kickoff coverage, but in the kickoff return game with USC uh, returning more uh, kickoffs than any team, any Power Five team in America, and you know, to a not very good results with 68% of them not getting back to the 25, and only recently maybe realizing that and having uh, having Vilas Jones uh, fair catch and getting at least starting at the 25. But uh, there's some questions about just basic. Uh, you know, strategy uh, in college football that other teams have seemed to come up with a different answer from the one USC has come up with. Yeah, that was that was weird uh, seeing that. So I, I wrote that story this week, and uh, I just knew I'm like, why do they keep returning the ball? Um, and and stop it. You know, I'm like, they have to lead the country in returns that fail to make it to the 25. And when I asked Clay Helton on the conference call, he he mentioned that first kickoff that uh, you know Jones had that went for a touchdown but you've also had a fumble you've had three penalties and the majority of the time you're not getting the 25 to me it seems like it's a net negative um and I talked to David Woods about this he's a big analytics guy that he covers UCLA and he likes people returning kickoffs but he's saying like I think if it's in the end zone you don't return it if it's inside the five you don't return it um unless you have something set up and you see there's blocking and that's USC hasn't had that so they're not getting good success, so they should just be taking a knee. Uh, but and shotgun pointed this out too. Uh, he doesn't fair catch; like he points his hands up in the air and he lets it go over his head. They, you're normally not seeing like a fair catch strategy at all. So uh, they just pretty much return it. And I, you know, Clay Helton kind of doubled down on John Baxter being the right. You know, that he's always confident in him and things like that. To me, it just I don't know. It just it's kind of ringing hot. Like at, at this point, you're like, you know what? We got to look at our strategy. Say something. To the contrary, to show the numbers, he was trying to say, well, the way we do things like the numbers didn't matter and stuff like well, I put all the numbers out there. It's pretty clear that you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Saying that the numbers don't correlate, that doesn't mean anything. I mean, that's just that, that's just that's those are just words. Uh, that's not an answer. And it's certainly not a strategy. And it's it almost sounds like, gosh, we didn't think about that or we didn't realize that or whatever. I mean, and to to be just because you ran one of them back, at that point you might want to say, "Well, that's it for the year. The law of averages are we're not running any more back. We got a fair catch, and we've already gotten our long run uh, of the year." I mean, and they haven't, you know, against the good teams, they're not getting any any kind of seam. Um, but you know, we're uh, we're watching it play out, and and you just shake your head and say, "How did you get?" to that place where you did that and there are a whole lot of places where you could ask that question and the answers you get aren't really like well thought out or with a, a philosophy that says this is what we believe in or whatever uh, it, it doesn't you, you just don't get that real quick Dan um, this was another week you didn't call in on the conference call what what's the deal there like were you just too like uh, uh, what's the point I don't know <sighs> I think a little bit of what's the point. I mean, if you asked, you don't want to be argumentative, I think, at this point. I mean, it's not like, 
I should be arguing with, you know, with Clay. And I just don't feel like, as we just said, you ask a question, right? Did you get an answer? Yeah, no, not really. You didn't get an answer, right? (laughs) (laughs) I just, what's the point? I mean, I want to let everybody know what Clay's saying, uh, but it's to the point where I don't know that the answer is all that responsive or or worthwhile. And if you've already got the, you know, the injured guys uh, that whatever, he, he's, he can tell you about that, uh, his initial reaction. I'm just not sure that there's anything that I could ask that he would respond in a, in a kind of a meaningful way or that anything I might ask that wouldn't be fairly argumentative in terms of how in the world are you doing that or why are you why are you doing that or why are you saying this so i just i like clay talk but uh i just don't know that it's going to benefit us all that much again you had a great question and a great point and it was totally lost yeah because there was no response to your your numbers or your your thinking yeah so it's just like oh the numbers don't correlate it's like well they actually do um, yeah. So before you do what you're about to do, Ryan, oh, yeah. I just want to jump in and, and clarify. I think when people hear locker room frustration, their minds automatically go to like a fight or something physical, which we didn't necessarily hear. It was just no. more frustration. I think that's worth clarifying because I know people in the live show were just freaking out about, oh, what happened? People, the intrigue, the palace intrigue, I guess, is interesting to people. But yeah. I just don't want to falsely put things in people's minds that there was this like brawl or anything in the locker room because that's yeah. not what we're hearing. We tried yeah, to find out. I mean, yeah. once we, that happened once in the Sun Bowl and we knew fairly soon who was lined up against who and how that went down. And so we didn't get any sense of that at all. Yeah. yeah. But there, there was kind of a, is there should have been a reaction to the end of the first half. I mean, there, there should have been, if there wasn't, you'd really, uh, you know, you'd really be unhappy. But uh, yeah, I don't think anybody had any indication. If somebody would, if that would have happened, somebody would have said something by now. Right. Yeah. We you know, checked around. Didn't seem like that was a thing. But that people were texting me like, "Oh my God, there was a fight." All the stuff. That I had we people had... asking me that too, and I'm like, and like Clay Helton sore on his lip. They thought yeah. he got punched. No, like stuff like that. I just right. wanted to clarify because I think people's minds can get a little creative. Yeah. No, good point. I mean, we were sitting there in the um, in the press conference afterwards, and it wasn't there wasn't anything that was terribly noticeable. Although, if I had to say what was one thing different, I will admit. Clay's hat was pulled down farther over his head, his face than I've ever seen it. Other than that, I know these people got screen grabs from the side and comparing the first half screen grab to the second. <laughs> I'm amazing. It's like we've got forensic analysts on the, <laughs> on the P who are, you know, getting these screen grabs from different angles. But, uh, but I don't think, I don't think if you were sitting there after the game, that didn't jump to your mind right at all. Yeah. You just it, it didn't. The hat pulled down pretty low <laughs> was a little different, but other than that, no. Only Dan notices stuff like that. So thanks for that. Uh, we got to jump into questions, but before we do, I just want to tell you guys about SeatGeek. Sometimes it seems like ticketing websites make getting to an event a lot harder than it has to be. They're so big they can get away with not caring about providing a good customer experience. They just want to get your money and move on. 
How easy would the process be if these ticketing websites actually cared? With tickets for millions of live events and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way to buy tickets online. SeatGeek has tickets you're looking for for all in one place from sports, music, comedy, and more. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. They built the fastest way to buy tickets. So now you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. They also have a better process. They'll pull millions of tickets together from all over the web. And then they'll rate each of them on a scale of 1 to 10 how good the deal is. And they display it on an interactive map of the venues. You can see where your seats are. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots mean overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I'm looking at the app right now for USC, UCLA. A lot of green dots, so a lot of good deals out there if you want to go see the Trojans and the Bruins at the end of the season. So right now, SeatGeek's going to give you $10 off your first purchase. All you got to do is use our promo code USC. So download the SeatGeek app, use promo code USC, you'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code USC for $10 off your first purchase. All right, let's uh, jump into some questions, Keely. We got we got lots. Yes, already. Let's start off with the game questions, and then we'll go big picture. First off, from Earl in West LA, he says, "Dan, I would never blame a loss on the officials. I'm not going to say the outcome would have changed. However, there were what I consider three egregious calls that literally changed the 10-0 momentum of the Oregon game. The last penalty was the worst, as it appeared Keaton Slovis' arm was moving forward, making it." making it an incomplete pass. Trojans fell on the ball, so whether it was an incomplete pass or a fumble, the ball, the ball belonged to USC. No, they gave the possession to Oregon and did not have the guts to explain the call. It was like the Pac-12 realized USC was about to screw up the conference's only hope of making the, pa- the playoffs, so they set the referees to work. I'm no conspiracy theorist, but it looked like, uh, it looked like that without the final call, without an explanation on the final call. Uh, and then it's signed one extremely pissed off Trojan fan, Earl in West LA. Well, Earl, and I, I was always, for example, I, I covered the SEC for a while, and you always got the sense that they were good officials, but the team that was supposed to go to the Rose, whatever bowl game that was in, or for the national championship game or whatever was going to win that game. They weren't getting their good teams upset. So you always worry about something like that. I think if you look at the numbers, they there were so many penalties on Oregon. Oregon, you know, just decided we're going to do whatever the heck we want. And so if you look at the overall penalties, it's really hard to make that case. I do think there were a couple fairly close that looked a little little shaky and probably with the game and the kind of – you know, up for grabs a little bit. Uh, those kind of went against USC. But on balance, I mean, Oregon ended up the first half with 112 yards in penalties. I mean, they had they had 113 yards of offense, 112 yards of penalties, <laughs> a net, you know, one plus one yard, and they were winning 28-17. So even if, you know, your theory is correct, USC did so many more things wrong that hurt themselves than the officials. This is one of those games where you just say, you know, you got to be better than that. And if the officials jumped on you too on an occasion or penalty, um, you know, that wasn't the number one thing that went wrong for USC. Yeah, that, and that was a fu- I, that was a fumble, right? I mean, I thought that was a fumble. I don't think his arm was coming forward. It was close. I it think, was, yeah, it was yeah. close. I, I don't think they, I'm not sure who fell on it in terms of 
where the ball ended up. Uh, uh, yeah, the but, recovery was weird because he like the guy recovered it and then his elbow hit the ground, but then it popped right out. So you could say he recovered it was down right away. I think that's what they said, but you could argue. I don't that the think recovery- he was. I don't think that's a legitimate re- recovery. I don't think that he, he he did not. He was not a ball carrier uh, losing the ball. He was a, a, a you know a guy coming to recover it. I don't think he had it. I don't think you could give him possession just because his elbow hit the ground, you know, one thousandth of a second after his hand touched the ball. Uh, but I, I, you at least get a replay where you really get a review on that. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, those were a little, I don't think they handled those really very well, but it's a pack 12. Yeah. We have very little to, to go against in terms of uh, how to do things. And by the way, Earl, uh, it was 56 to 24. So, yeah, <laughs> So just just look back, like if you're really going to be mad about the officials, it was like, well, there was, you know, maybe stop one of those eight touchdowns in a row. From he did happening. preface it by saying it doesn't change the outcome. He just wanted to know. Okay, Earl. Sticking up for Earl. I, I love Earl, but. <laughs> uh, we have a yeah. interesting thought experiment from Ray from Florida. He says, Dan, Ryan, and Keely, you're in a completely dark room. You have noise canceling headphones on. You are completely alone with your thoughts. And you ask yourself this one question. Can USC win a national championship with Clay Helton? No. I mean, no, that's, no, okay, no well, that's well, not. You don't need headphones. Like, I could do that in a, no. a subway, like, listen to a rock band. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you, you can't even ask that question, okay? I mean, if you can't win the Pac-12 South, uh, which is, uh, you know, the low bar expectation, uh, saying anything else is just silly, okay? It's just silly. No. Yeah. Uh, uh. Although I would like some noise canceling headphones <laughs> and a nap, but that's Chris, all. And a nap? Yeah, but that's a different story. You have a homemade meal coming after the True, podcast. True, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, we have a question for Dan about attendance. It's from uh, 1977 Trojan. He says, Question for Dan Has attendance at any USC game this year been a sellout? I guess losing those 20,000 seats for the renovation wasn't much of an issue. Now, perhaps if we have a, a Hall of Fame caliber coaching staff, there'd be a bigger demand for tickets and we would see the Coliseum filled to capacity. Just saying, fight on as always, 1977 Trojan. Yeah, no, nothing even close to a sellout. And this is where things get screwed up at USC, where you will have people see, say to you, See, we told you we didn't need all those seats. It's like you want to grab them and say, "Yeah, but but that's there are people that think like that. That see, we made the right decision. We knew we weren't going to be able to sell seventy-seven thousand five hundred. So, so we're right. And you want to say, "No, you're not. Get a team, get a program, so you do sell those things." Right. I mean, it's like. But th- there are people who say, "See, you were wrong. You said you'd, we shouldn't go down to seventy-seven-five, and we're we're right because nobody wants to come to our games." And you just think, <laughs> "Man, come on, yeah. guys, that's not the that's not the attitude you need." But it's the attitude that exists there, and that's a that's a loser's mentality. Right? Yeah, you need to go through and and fix a lot of things, and you fix a lot of things like the football team. You'll start selling that place out. I think, you know, it could be fine selling it to 77,000, but they're not even getting close. You know, they're barely getting above 60 at all. They didn't do it all last year. So you need to be able to, that's not a, you have too many seats problem. That's a, you have a leadership and football problem. It's a not a, not enough football team problem. Yeah. Not too many seats problem. Yeah. Let's go to a voicemail question, Dan. We got some fiery voicemails for you. 
Hi guys, uh, quick question, Daniel out of Los Angeles. Uh, I'm sure you have millions and millions of emails, but if you ever get to mine, I just have one question for anyone to answer. Why is this man still the head coach of USC football? I, no excuses for not having the AD. I don't care who the president is or who the provost is. No, no school in their right mind would have this man still employed by Monday morning. Why is this man still the head coach of USC football? Thanks. Right on. I mean, I do believe that there was an offer extended that maybe this is the right time to resign, and I think that was rejected. That's just from stuff that you uh, understand from sources who say that there might have been a way to sort of bow out gracefully, but that's not uh, anything that, that Clay seems to be you know prepared to be able to do. He's he. He wants to talk, fight on, fight on, fight on, and he's fighting for his family and his 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 players or his kids and all of that, and he's gonna fight on until somebody tells him not to, and the reason he's still there is no one has told him not to. He said, "I'll keep showing up, you know, Monday morning, until somebody tells me not to," and there is no one in place apparently uh, to tell him not to. So, you know, uh, Florida State has somebody in place who, you know, told Willie Taggart uh, not to show up this week. But um, USC, that's not the situation at USC. Yeah. Spoiler alert. A lot of our questions sound like that. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Wait, you people wanted Clay Helton fired after that game? I, Maybe. Not, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, stay tuned, Ryan. You'll oh, see. Okay. okay. <laughs> Uh, we have a question from Jared who says, Hey guys, very quick question for Dan Keeley and Ryan. Is head coach Clay Helton finished? Please tell me that Helton won't be the head coach next season. What a disgraceful game plan and performance tonight. Continuing to throw the ball into a defense dropping 7-8. and eight, And please don't give the rebuttal about a lack of running backs. USC has Keenan Christian and Dominic Davis available. Winners figure it out and persevere. Losers make excuses. I'm out and rooting for Coach O until Helton is terminated. Always, As always, appreciate your work. Thank you. Best regards, Jared. I think there was an early question about... Uh, uh, is is Clay is is he going to be back next year? And I think there is there is no way that happens. I don't think there's any possible uh, scenario that he returns. Yeah, it's hard to picture that at this point. Um, I know Shotgun talked about. It. I mean, it's USC. Some crazy things have happened, but I can't I can't picture any way that he would return. I mean, yeah, pretty but, much. But it's USC. I, I, did, I couldn't picture him returning last year, and he did. So I'm not going to yeah, say. After that, I don't want to say definite anymore. But, but there, the the what he's saying, and we're getting this a lot, and I think there's some other questions that do it too. People are saying like I, they've been saying I'm out for a while, but like they're like really out. Like they don't want to. They don't even want to follow the team anymore. They're tired of all the terrible decisions that USC's made, and they're putting. I mean, they basically have to have faith that Carol Fultz going to get a good athletic director and a good head coach and win some of these people back because you've lost a lot of the fan base right now. Yeah. And if you're a new, if you're new to the USC administration, you haven't been here for this buildup that, that, that all these fans have gone through, uh, you know, in a number of years. And so is there an urgency among, you know, the new administrators to, do they understand the depth of despair 
that some of these people feel. Um, I, I don't know that. I don't know how we can know that. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is, this is not an overnight, you know, phenomenon. This is something that's been coming for a while and, uh, and now it's here for sure. Yeah. Well, we have a question from our buddy, John and Brea, who says this is for Keely, Dan and Ryan late Saturday night. I looked at the calendar in my kitchen and it read USC versus Oregon 5 PM. And under that was written fall back. Ironic for sure. And what tro- and what Trojan fan wouldn't want to turn the clock back several years instead of just one hour? What we witness what we witnessed Saturday was the culmination of years of bad decision making at the highest level, paired with a lack of vision. Do you get a sense that Carol Folt and Mike Bone are willing to do whatever it takes to change the current culture of this football program? You talk about fall back. If I were just in, involved in, in in doing the game Saturday night, just fall back twenty seconds. You know, if they would have ended the half 20 seconds earlier, you know, and been able to fall back, that's all it would have taken to at least survive the first half and maybe not set themselves up for that, you know, the super fall back in the second half. But uh, there was a lot of falling back going on uh, uh, Saturday night, John. Uh, you, you want me to do a voicemail, Keely? Sure, let's go for it. All right, we'll do another voicemail. Uh, here's this one for you. Hi, this is Richard from uh, Palm Springs. You know, every time the uh, TV camera uh, put their eyes on Hilton on the sidelines, he must have been talking to either God or his mother because uh, those were really only two words that were coming out of his mouth, and those people couldn't help him. Uh, just another em- uh, embarrassment uh, where I said last week that the victory at Colorado was not a signature victory. Uh, this week, this is a signature loss and probably the the signature loss of Helton's career. Uh, same mistakes, penalties, turnovers, uh, stupid play calling. Uh, it's been the same thing for three and a half years, and it hasn't gotten any better. Uh, I hope the new athletic director can see this, and uh, it's definitely time for a change. Uh, Helton has proven, along with his coaching staff, that they can't win the big games when the, uh, they need to. And uh, we can't watch this stuff anymore. And uh, I think that's evident by the amount of people that were leaving midway through the third quarter. So enjoy the show. Thanks very much. Uh, let me know your thoughts. Bye. Yeah, Richard, I, I, I think it. both of the games the last two weeks were signature games that, you know, signified the same thing. I mean, it's, uh, you know, except for the fact that Oregon's a whole lot better than Colorado. But, uh, but the approach from USC has been kind of, you know, they are who they are. They haven't gotten any better. I mean, what you always have to anticipate is at most places you do, you know, get better. Uh, you get coached up or, you, or your team quits. And I thought with, you know, the new coaches, I thought, you know, we saw – a good spring. We saw a good uh, practice level. We saw a good first two weeks in fall camp. And, you know, you had a good feeling about uh, the uh, influence Graham Harrell w- was going to have on the offense or that having Drevno as the offensive line coach or the three new coaches on defense. And yet, at this point, it doesn't look like anything changed that, you know, that they, you know, went from week to week and some weeks their talent was good enough. Some weeks uh, they got lucky and Utah didn't realize that you can't play a man to man, that how much better Michael Pittman is probably than anybody you're going to have to, you know, defend him. And, um, and they didn't know a thing about Matt Fink. 
And yet, when the more teams seem like they really understand who USC is and what it's going to do and how it can basically beat itself, um, you're not seeing teams give USC kind of those those openings. And, uh, and you don't see USC developing into a team that can make its own openings and make its own, you know, take over a game. And uh, so here we are. But, uh, but yeah, I think... I think both the Colorado win and the and the Oregon loss were signature uh, efforts by uh, by this coaching staff. They that's who they are. We have a text from Sir Eric of Troy who says, "Good afternoon, crew. My question is for Dan: Is there anyone that you know of on the board of trustees that actually knows anything about college football as it relates to the rules of recruiting and statistical evaluation of a coach?" I ask because I'm hoping there's at least one person at the table yelling, guys, we have to act now. This is the worst recruiting class in USC history. There's now an earlier signing period and it's not going to get any better unless we immediately dump our current ship's captain before he drags us under further under before he further drags us underwater. Is there such a voice with this type of knowledge? Secondly, where are all the prestigious alums? i.e. the Marcus Allens, the Ronnie Lots, Carson Palmers, etc. Are they speaking out either way about this dumpster fire or given their opinion about the possible uh, the possibility of hiring Urban Meyer? Holding my breath, about to burst, waiting for the breaking news we all want and need, Sir Eric of Troy. And we also got another email that was similar to that, and they didn't put their name, but basically uh, with FSU pulling the trigger on Willie Taggart, why would USC not follow suit because it's in their best interest to follow Helton or to fire Helton sooner than later? Yeah, I mean, I think, Sir Eric, um, I think if I had to say there were maybe three people that I know on the board, uh, of I know of on the board, but you're talking, what is it, 57 people on the board now? I mean, it's just some unbelievable number. Uh, so, uh, you know, you know, a lot of them are not even in this country, you know, so I don't know that you have a board that kind of is, as easily focused on football as maybe, you know, boards in the past. Um, so, so I think from that standpoint, you would have just a few people who would be able to say, okay, we got to focus on the timing, you know, the early signing period. We got to, you know, give a, a new coach uh, a real chance. And, and tell me what the second part of Eric uh, Eric's question was. He wants to know where the alums are, the, the football oh, alums. Good question. They're gone. I mean, they are gone. Even when we go to practice or went to practice, uh, occasionally someone shows up. And it doesn't take them long uh, to find out that they didn't probably want to be there, that they didn't like what they were seeing. Uh, I've talked to a few recently, and they say they can't even identify with this program the lack of toughness, the lack of physicality, uh, that this is so foreign to what they believe USC football ought to be. I think it's interesting uh, there's no, uh, you know, former player that leads the team out onto the field anymore. Um, there just seems to be a complete disconnect between all those Trojan greats and what's happening now. And I think it's on both sides. I think the current, you know, people running the program kind of don't want those guys around. I mean, I, I, from talking to some of those guys, I'd like to put them in, you know, in the 
classroom with the whole USC team and give them and, and tell them what they think has to happen. I think some of those guys that go running, screaming out of the room, uh, they'd get scared to death. The uh, because the way those guys understand football and the way this USC program seems to think football should be are as far apart as you could ever imagine. So yeah, I think it's a really it's a worrisome thing that that. That the great football players and some not that far removed have nothing to do with this program. It is very strange, Dan, and I think it's one of those things where you know if you have like a toothache and you know you got to go to the dentist because you got a cavity, but you don't want to go because you don't want to be told that you have a cavity. It's sort of those things where you're not performing well, you're not doing the things you should be doing. Do you really want the Trojan greats coming around to tell you you don't want them to be doing? You should be doing these things. It's so to me, Dan. It's more about why did they close practice? They don't want us telling them things that they're doing wrong in practice. And and you know they had football players, you know former players around the beginning of the season. Now that all hope is lost, you don't have them around anymore. And I to me, that's more of you have to shut out the noise. With the noise being all these people telling you, hey, you're doing things wrong. And you don't want to be. You don't want to know you have that cavity. You don't want to know that you're doing things wrong. We and you had, I thought, a great quote uh, from Jeremy Foley, who was one of the rumored, maybe possible guys that USC ought to take a look at. The former uh, 25-year athletic director at Florida when and when Urban was there, and he said something to the effect that if you know something is going to have to be done, you really ought to do it now yeah. rather than wait. You just you know, and I think, you know, that sentiment applies to, for example, uh, Lynn Swan got it right when he said what needed to happen with the program. Basically, everything had to change, but he didn't want to be the one to change it. I mean, that's what you have an athletic director to do. If you make that kind of judgment that all of those things that needed to be changed needed to be changed, you got to do it now. And they chose not to. And then Clay himself chose in, in areas where they really needed, you know, some changes made in, in terms of coaching. He chose not to make the changes. Yeah. And that will come back to bite you every time. Yeah, 100%. And I think, I mean, I love that quote. And, the you know, the last email talked about the recruiting aspect because of the early signing period, which now this year it's December 18th. It's not just the early period, it's the signing period. Recruiting becomes a yeah. big factor. You don't have the luxury of waiting to make a change. If you know you want to make a change, you got to do it now. And, you know, USC's all those bad decisions from the past, hiring a Lynn Swan who made that asinine statement about all the things that needed to change, it didn't change any of them. That's that's what is hurting USC now. If, if USC was buttoned up in the athletic department, Clayton wouldn't be the head coach right now, but that's just not the way it is. We have another voicemail though dan that does get into the recruiting aspect too i'll get your thoughts hi ryan this is dave from glendora um assuming which i know with usc is probably a stupid thing to do but assuming they hire a good head coach a really good qualified head coach what do you think will be that coach's strategy as far as recruiting and what i mean is uh, obviously we have the december signing time is, is that coach likely to think that maybe they should leave more scholarships open after that period with possibilities of getting more people out of the transfer portal? Because i got to believe there's probably a lot of kids spread throughout the country that Urban Meyer has recruited and may be a little disgruntled if they're 
current programs that may just want to come into that portal to go to USC. So do you think he may leave more spots open? Um, and I was just saying Urban Meyer, obviously that's who we all would really like, but even if it's another coach, same principle. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? That question for uh, anybody there at the Peristyle. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Bye. Hey, Dad, real quick. That's a really interesting thought and strategy that if you get someone that they can't fix the recruiting class in time, you leave spots open. Illinois did that, and they got a whole bunch of transfers in, and they're actually winning games. So if you get someone who's even good, and maybe you can't switch guys at the end, just leave those spots open because there's not a lot of places to land. If you're a transfer portal guy, you see like an Akili Ross ends up at UTEP just because there wasn't a lot of spots for people. You might be able to help your recruiting class with a bunch of transfers. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I don't know that it's one that's been raised all that much, but uh, USC doesn't, in a, based on a small senior class, it, it doesn't have a natural bunch of scholarships uh, available. I mean, I think if you're Urban Meyer, you probably, and and as we know, the football banquet is now scheduled for the day after the UCLA game, if, if something could happen you know, right away. I think you would target three, four, five of those maybe top California guys that you might think you could flip. And then maybe you do. USC could be the number one destination for transfer portal guys from the whole country. And if you got every transfer portal guy and evaluated them and considered them, and you can recruit them the whole spring. And, uh, that might be the way to go. You would have more time to convince people who who you are uh, in terms of a program. Who did you hire as assistants? Who did you hire as coordinators? All of that kind of thing. That may be a really viable strategy. Uh, I think uh, uh, rather than signing, you know, some guys that you hope maybe they'll develop over whatever. Uh, you might want to try for whatever you know the biggest bounce you can get immediately. And, you know, in USC's case, that might be more like Drew Richmond type guys, uh, you know, transfer or grad transfers who are offensive linemen or, you know, defensive linemen or, or, you know, a linebacker here or there or somebody like that where you really have a chance to kind of change the face of your team. And um, I I like that strategy because it gives you more time to recruit those transfer portal guys, you're not racing around trying to get them in, you know, for the early, uh, early signing period. So, uh, you know, there's a little risk in it if you, you know, pass over guys, but USC isn't, you know, they won't be passing over five-star guys or four-star guys necessarily. So, uh, holding those open, I think that's, that, that has a lot of merit to it. I think a guy like Urban Meyer might look at that and say, yeah, I can pull this off. You know, there might be, however many hundred guys go into the transfer portal and we'll take the five that fit our situation the best. Uh, not a bad idea. It's like Florida center, just like 10 minutes ago, yeah. entered the transfer portal. Like he's a freshman starting. He was losing some snaps to another freshman. He entered the portal. Like there's going to be a lot of dudes in the portal. So, well, cause people talk about the urgency in the sense of this year's recruiting class. You kind of have to admit that it's already, the ship is kind of sailed as far as that. Cause the, the, the realisticness of say you, they fire Clay Hilton day after the UCLA game. That's still a quick turnaround, right, Ryan? I would think like Urban Meyer could make a huge difference in the yeah. class. I think so. Like you could get a Bryce Young back. You could, he's going to make a bunch of phone calls to the dudes that are committed to all, the, but. 
I don't know if anyone else because would have they, that pull. It might. It's not just a pull too, but would they be able to come in and like start working right away? And but all how that quick stuff? would the dominoes have to fall? I mean, like I guess I'm thinking from the sense of. For that to happen, USC would have to do everything right and on time. Right. And that's the big if. But that's why if you have Urban Meyer, you're, you assume things are going to be done right. Like he'll do what – he'll maximize the potential. And I think that you could get a bunch of those guys. It won't be – it'll probably go like a top 10 class. Sure. And then the next year would be top three or something. I'm just thinking the logistics of having that all fall into place correctly yeah. before December 18th. You yeah. know? No, I don't think you need everything to fall – if Urban Meyer is the guy – you don't need anything else to fall in place. It, people will believe <laughs> it will all fall in place. If he's not the guy, there is no one else who everybody would say, oh, he'll get it done at USC the way he did at you know, Minnesota or wherever. Uh, no, because people will still say it's USC. He doesn't realize what he's got himself into. With Urban Meyer, he'll get totally the benefit of the doubt. People will say, oh, I trust him completely yeah it'll happen no one else has that ability to walk into some kid's home uh, you know one of the top players in california and the kid will say yes sir i believe you completely no one else can do that that's the difference yeah but those are some big ifs is i guess my point yeah a lot of ifs it's usc there's a lot of ifs well let's uh we got some more questions let's take a quick break and we'll come right back and uh finish up your questions Well, we have a a lighthearted question from Paul from Florida who says, Hello, team. First, thank you for always being a good therapy session after a depressing loss. I'm wondering if you're going to the Cal game and if you're meeting up anywhere for pregame. Love the show and keep up the good work. Paul from Florida. Hey, Paul. A lot of time for pregame when you play 8 o'clock in in Berkeley. It's uh, uh, We used to remember, luckily they don't do what they used to do. Uh, The media parking... Was it? They closed the street next to the stadium down, and you got to park in the middle of the street. But you had to leave. They had a deadline, and if you didn't move your car after the game, they opened the street up and they towed your car. So at least they get us in a garage now. So uh, so post game isn't quite so bad at at, at at Cal, and the stadium's a lot better. But uh, but there'll be plenty of time for uh, pregame. Uh, get-togethers uh, with an 8 o'clock game in, in Berkeley. I don't remember ever having a game start that late at Berkeley. There there was there there have been a couple of night games, but nothing that late. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm probably not going on that trip because uh, Chris Torito and Shotgun were going and Keely and Dan always go. So we usually just get four for road trips. Um, so I probably won't go, but, you know, I'll talk to those guys. If Keely, you want to host a, at a bar somewhere, you love doing that stuff. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's not really <laughs> like shock. I probably would like Chris Trevito. No. What? You're throwing me under the bus. I'm a social person. Yeah. But are you going to organize? Like you want everyone coming? Hey, let's all come to this thing. That's like, a you thing. That's not a that's me thing. That's more of a you're me right, thing. Yeah. You're right. I could potentially organize it, but not be there, but I don't, we'll see. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll talk about it, Paul and see TBD, what's going on. TBD, yeah. it, it depends what happens at Arizona state this weekend, probably too. True. Uh, we have another thought yeah. experiment that's from our buddy, Eric in duck country. Although this week he put Eric in suck country. I'm not sure if that was a typo or not, but we'll see. Probably not. <laughs> um, yeah. He says, Ryan, Dan and Keeley, you've just been hired as USC's athletic director. After you make a decision on the coaching changes, where do you turn your attention? Thanks as always, Eric in duck country. 
And he, he said, where do you turn your attention? Did he mention Urban Meyer? He said, after you after make you a decision the on the coaching changes, where do you turn your... So it's, it's, let's assume coaching oh, has been taken care of. You get the right coach. And, okay, sure. I didn't... Okay. Sure. Um, I think you need, to, you need to really be on the same page with the coach. And you need to go down every single you know person, every single job. I was shocked. And going through the 230 people listed in the University of Cincinnati athletic department uh, roster and thinking, oh, man, I mean, they have jobs filled that USC doesn't have filled. They have people doing things. They have uh, uh, weight people who are doing things that USC doesn't even have anybody in that slot. USC has some work to do. I mean, the University of Cincinnati should not have a more fleshed out athletic department in a lot of ways that really matter in terms of the, uh, how the team plays on the field than USC. So there are so many things to do, um, that you just, you know, I mean, you start with, with all the, you know, recruiting people and the weight people and all the, um, you know, you got to get, obviously you got to hire your staff and you got to, you know, absolutely get people that know the Pac-12. You probably got to get some people who are familiar a little bit with what's going on at USC because it'll be a little bit of a shock to them uh, if you bring in people completely unaware of, you know, how USC has been doing things and, and, and what they do. And you'd be, uh, you know, you need to be kind of figuring out how far behind USC has gotten in the past few years. I mean, they really have in, in a lot of ways and how, how there's kind of an attitude of, of getting by, but, but not doing anything special, not, not trying to think outside the box, not trying to, you know, be any sort of cutting edge, you know, we're going to do something that nobody else does, or we're going to do something that's so just right for Los Angeles or whatever. It's just none of that. And, and, you know, you just you, you got to do it all, I think, yeah. at this point. And there's a lot to do. There is a ton to do. I Okay. First of all, they should have considered me to be the athletic director. I would fix a lot of crap. Oh, my goodness. I mean, do you have any doubt, Keely, that I would go in and fix that department? No. Do you, you don't? I mean, no, tell me if you do. Like, you can say. No, I don't. Say, I mean, say I'm full of shit. Like, that's fine. Like, say, you know, I would go in there and fix stuff. First of all, you take the org chart and you put, put, put it on the wall and literally, I have someone in with a blowtorch walk in and just blow it away. It's okay. That's gone. Everybody, I want your resume. Anyone that works there is reapplying for their job. And I want all of you to tell me the five best things about what's going on here and the five worst things. Maybe 10 worst things because there's a lot more worse things than bad things. And I'm reevaluating everything from the top down. Then I'm going to look at the organization wherever I was. You were at Cincinnati, if it's Mike Bone. And how is that structured? How different is the USC stuff structured? I'm going to default to wait, the way you've done things before. And maybe there were some limitations when you were at Cincinnati. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. Well, you're going to do that now. And you're going to fight for every dollar and make sure you're not going to be cheap about things and put people in the places they need to be. I think you do need, like Dan said, you're going to need people that are there that kind of know where the bodies are buried and stuff. But there's going to be a lot of people that you say, you know what? You've served here for 30 years. We're going to move on and go to somebody else now. Um, and there's some, I think there's some really bright young people that work in that department that you want to get their insight and let, give them more power to do what they do and then bring yeah, in I think, I think seasoned on that people point, around you, it. I, you need to identify those people. 
Yes. And you need to listen to those people. Uh, they could be very valuable for USC right now. Uh, and and you, you really do need to – I mean, I think one of the things the athletic director would have to do is just sit down with everybody and say, who are you yeah. and what do you do? Yes. And why do we need you to do that? Yeah. And, and I, then – The visual yeah, of I, everybody sitting in this meeting as I blowtorch the uh, org chart I think would be – that would send the right message. Like, this is how we're going to do things now. So everybody better you know, shape up or you're out. That's how I would do it, Keely. Well done. Nice. <laughs> Not messing around here. For those listening, he looks very proud of himself. I'm right very now. proud of myself. Like, come on. Like, you can't run such a great place so poorly for two and a half decades. You just can't do it. Now, Mike Garrett, I, I, people get like, I think he's done some good things. He was there a long time. He was, he did work in the athletic department before, but you know, he wasn't a, you, you got to get people that have been real athletic directors before, not just assistants. And then they got away from that. At least he was an assistant like Pat Hayden, Lynn Swan. That was just, let's just keep doing whatever we're doing. And we'll just bring in a figurehead. That's just so terrible. And that's why USC's in a lot of the mess that they're in right now. The FBI stuff doesn't happen. If you had a real athletic director, like they had one of their athletic directors involved in the scandal, the only school in the country to have that because of the poor leadership. So that all has to end now. Well, they had no idea what she was doing. I mean, yeah. nobody did. It was like, you know, you had people unsupervised uh, from from everything that we can tell that, that there were people just doing their thing. And that's too much. You've you got to really you know, pull together. Everybody's got to know what everybody's doing and what's the important things that we really have to do. And I don't think there has been that kind of competitive. I mean, the other thing is college athletics is really competitive, not only with one another, but with, uh, and if you're in Los Angeles, you're competing with the Rams and the Chargers yeah. and the, you know, the, the Lakers and the Dodgers and the Clippers. And you really better, and I guess I better say the Angels too, Ke Kelly. Uh, and you, you really better get out there and compete. And you didn't get the sense that USC felt like they needed to compete. It was more like, hey, we're USC. You know, we don't need to do this. Yeah. That's that doesn't work. I mean, that's what the if you had to say one the one thing that Pete Carroll did the best, he was a really really competitive guy. He he did he talked it up. He he lived it, and there's no other way uh, to succeed in athletics other than to compete like crazy, and that hasn't been happening at USC for a long time. Yeah. Well, that's my rant's over for that. But uh... well then. What, well, you got more questions, Zoe. Yes, I also was oh, asked I'm this sorry. question, oh, yeah, Ryan. Kaylee, no, yeah, no, it's fine. Y'all, you guys covered it pretty much. Top to bottom, I would go through everyone who's on the payroll in the athletic department, figure out what the role is, if they're valuable or not, go through that, and then make football a priority. I don't think it's actually a priority in the sense of funding being the cutting edge on top of where it's going. I think not only just getting to the Clemsons and Alabamas with being ahead of them. I think that's important if you want USC to be important. I think USC is a football school. You need them to be good at football. Yeah. And so I would restore that to the forefront of priorities and make sure that Carol Fulton knows that that's my goal. And also fund other athletics because water polo does well and, and uh, the soccer team and whatnot. But investing in, in football and, and where it's going to go in the next couple of years uh, is important. Keely for athletic director. Let's do it. Oh, I thank you. Um, 
one last question, and it's from James, who says, with Bone as the new athletic director, is this the start of a Cincinnati dynasty? Dan, I think this is for you. Oh, you mean uh, Bone? And, and it, the interesting thing is that UCLA hired the basketball coach from the University of Cincinnati. So yeah. it's like, you know, the two of them, uh, you know, following one another uh, out here. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think Cincinnati is a different place. Uh, you don't have much direct competition. The Bengals are so bad and the Reds are so bad. Uh, you know, they were just the, the two things that drive Cincinnati sports are Xavier basketball uh, and, uh, and, and University of Cincinnati now football. It's kind of a nice, uh, you know, where the college teams are kind of more important and more interesting than the uh, than the uh, uh, professional teams. So, um, hopefully, you know, that would be something that you bring uh, that the ability to compete with the professional teams because in, in Los Angeles, there's just so many ways for people to go, even with connections to USC. And I think they, you know, they they want you to be special in Los Angeles. Uh, there is no, there's no place between special and no, we don't care. I mean, there's no like, well, I'm almost, you know, no. You're either really special, really competitive, or you're nowhere. And right now, USC's way closer to nowhere. And uh, so if something could happen, uh, you know, with, with Cincinnati related, that that'd be good for me. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, the, the the competition thing is a big deal. And I think that's where you, you can't just be on the sidelines. I mean, UCLA looks better. Like they look like they were going to fire Chip Kelly. Well, now they're good again, you know, and um, USC has to be good, has to be relevant in college football. The Pac-12 needs USC to be relevant. Like the, it's the whole West Coast is suffering because of USC's ineptitude. So that's all got to get fixed. So Keely for AD because she'll go and fix the football team. Why, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Is that all we got? That I mean, there are other questions, but I think that that's all for now. <laughs> really? It's like, over? Is it over? <laughs> it's it's well, not over till we say it's over, Kelly. Yeah, yeah Kelly and, has a, and I Kelly, say it's over, Dan. <laughs> so she doesn't know exactly what that uh, what that means. Well, sorry, anyone else that's into questioning, Keely. You do, have a preview pod that you also answer questions. But there's tons of there's tons of like just other questions already. There, well, okay, there's a question about the quarterback battle next year, which is kind of like we don't even know who the coach is going to be next oh, year, yeah. stuff like that, where I'm like, we've covered the main topics that people are curious about right okay. now. Okay. No That's offense just, to everyone whose questions. Yeah. We love them all. Keely, the new athletic director, decided your questions are not worthy. No, that is she false. She doesn't, you know, false. Find, she doesn't like the $100 donors. You yeah, know, she like, did, uh, at least she didn't say anything about those guys. <laughs> Dan, I, I knew you were going anything. there, Dan. <laughs> I didn't say anything. My goodness. <laughs> So Keely's gonna be one of those. She'll be like the Ivory Tower athletic director, where just like there's the peons and there's the important people. Would you stop? Where Dad and I would be athletic directors of the people. We would want everybody's opinion. No, false. <laughs> I went through most of them, the majority. Nice. Uh, all right. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up. Uh, good stuff. Thanks for all the questions and everything. Yes, um, we appreciate y'all. It's a weird time, but it's always a weird time covering this team. Things should get better. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Could USC? bone it up like they've done in the past yes but i feel like there's a better chance that they don't at this juncture could be wrong but i feel like you're gonna feel better about this program a month from now so wow i did <laughs> I, just, Ryan? I think so i think so if not i don't know what to do i'm gonna take a look if, if not if they really royally screw this up on all accounts 
I'm just gonna take a long vacation, and we'll just like. Can I? Can I join you? Yeah, on you that? can show. Yeah, come along. Sweet. The whole. Well, the, we'll just shut down the site for a month or so and see okay. what happens. Yeah, we'll just uh, recycle stories up there or something. Well, no, we'll just leave Shaka to do basketball stories. Yeah, yeah, Shaka can cover basketball to his heart's content. <laughs> Sure. And, uh, Whatever. The rest works. of us will just go and just go in a, an island somewhere. A long cruise. No, I'm going back to Cincinnati. Okay. So that's, uh, that's <laughs> that Sounds good. All right. That's Dan Weber, Keely Yor. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.